The God of Mischief is back and better than ever. Loki. 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 Wow. Great to see you again. Critics agree. Loki season two is marvelous. Great. And it's finally here. How much do you know? Let's assume I don't know much. A mind-bending adventure. Spectacularly cinematic. I've been waiting for a moment like this. It surpasses all expectations. A little over the top, don't you think? I thought it was spot on. Loki Season 2. Now streaming only on Disney+. Plus. How are you now? How are you now? Hello and welcome to the very first ever episode of the Bottom Six Minutes podcast presented by Habs Eyes and the Prize. My name is Matt Drake. You may recognize me from some of my work uh, at Habs Eyes and the Prize. And you know what? I hate to say a toe to so, but a toe to so. A toe to so. Ah, not yet. Not yet. But I did write an article a while back uh, where I had the opinion that maybe the Habs could beat the Toronto Maple Leafs in a playoff series if the opportunity presented itself. A lot of people said I was crazy. A lot of people said I was completely off my rocker. And it's not quite time to say a toe to so yet because they haven't actually done it. But they did take game one. David beats Goliath by a score of 2-1. to one, And how fitting is it? for the very first episode of the Bottom Six Minutes podcast that it was a bottom six hero and arguably the greatest waiver wire pickup in the history of the Montreal Canadiens in Paul Byron, who scored the game-winning goal, shorthanded no less, to give the Habs the win. Now, it's a pretty good thing that he managed to get that done shorthanded because uh, the Habs had a few power plays in the night. They had a few, and they were brutal. And... I say brutal because that's about the nicest way that I could possibly describe it. They honestly had their best chances during their power plays while they were on the rush. Like, it was basically the same way that you would attack if you were at 5-on-5. They were virtually incapable of gaining the zone, and even when they did, they couldn't really set up. They relied a lot on, like, quick strike attacks uh, from guys like Josh Anderson uh, to get in on the Leafs credit to the Leafs their penalty kill looked fantastic but the Habs are going to have to figure out a way to do some damage on the power play if they want anything to happen and particularly so if the officiating is going to continue to be the way that it was uh, in game one I mean let's all agree that the officiating in that game looked a lot more like a regular season game than it did a playoff game they were calling some things like there was a, a hook called against Tyler Toffoli late in the first period that was you know, it was below the hands. It was just a stick lift. There's no way that that's actually a penalty. Um, I felt like the Jason Spezza tripping penalty in the second period was incredibly weak. Um, there's no way he should have been sent off for that. And one of the weirdest ones, out of three times that the Leafs got called for a delay of game for shooting the puck over the glass, one of them was against Justin Hall, and he didn't even shoot the puck over the glass. It was a dump in by the Habs, and he happened to put his stick up in the air. I don't know if he was trying to knock it down or what. But uh, he knocked it over the glass, and the refs convened at center ice and decided that it was a penalty. And I'm not sure what they were debating, if they were debating that he had intent to put it over the glass, because I don't think he did. But it was a weird call. 
Uh, now, obviously, the Leafs need to avoid shooting the puck over the glass uh, because they did it two other times in the game and gave Montreal opportunities that they couldn't do anything with. But at the end of the day, I, I just I felt like the officiating was off. Uh, I felt like it was more of a regular season type officiating. And realistically, if they're going to continue to officiate the rest of this series like that, then both teams are going to want to do a lot better on the power play. And Toronto stands a better chance of doing that than Montreal does, given what we saw in Game 1. The Habs will also need to be more disciplined. I mean, you look at the penalty that Ben Sherratt took. Um, he took a giant swing with his right hand, I think, um, trying to hit part-time Rocket Richard Trophy winning, part-time Ron Jeremy cosplayer Austin Matthews in the head after a clean hit. Uh, so there was no reason for him to do it, but he took a big swipe at him, and hilariously, Austin Matthews was just standing there with this shit-eating grin on his face the second that Sherratt missed with that punch, because he knew he got him. He he knew he got exactly what he wanted, and the Habs are going to have to completely avoid giving opportunities like that, because, again, if this series is going to be officiated like that, then you know that the Leafs are going to get opportunities, and they're not going to have 0% on the power play every single game in this series. So, going to have to be a little bit more careful on that front, unless your strategy is simply to score a bunch of shorthanded goals. I mean, I guess that could work if you really want to try it that way. If you're that confident in your shorthanded play, and you think that Paul Byron can get you a shorthanded goal every single game, I mean, maybe you can go ahead and say, all right, we're not going to try to fix the power play. We're not going to bring Cole Caulfield in. We're not going to do anything. We're just going to leave everything exactly the way it is. And Paul Byron's going to score a shorthanded goal every game. I think that's a pretty ineffective strategy. I think that Dominique Ducharme uh, is smarter than that. And uh, I think they're going to maybe bring Cole Caulfield in, maybe try a few different things in the power play, see what else they can do to generate some offense on that front. Uh, but at the end of the day, uh, not a great game from the special teams unit, except for uh, that penalty kill unit that did fantastic. And that brings us to um, maybe the best penalty killer of the night for the Habs, who was Carey Price. Carey Price missed some time towards the end of the year there, and a lot of people were concerned that he might, you know, obviously he hasn't had the best season of his career, and a lot of people were concerned that he might not be necessarily ready for the playoffs I mean he played one game in Laval uh, before the playoffs and he did get scored on twice by AHL players uh, in one period and I think on the first goal he looked okay in that particular Laval game but on the second goal I, I was like honestly I was a little bit concerned myself and if you look at him in game one against the Leafs fantastic there's very little that you could possibly say negatively about his game. I mean, the Nylander goal, there's nothing you can really do. It kind of came to him at the side of the net, and he's standing there. Uh, the Price would have had to make a miracle save there in order to stop a goal. And he made some pretty miraculous saves throughout the rest of the game. If this is the carry Price that they can expect for the rest of the series, they're in a great spot. They're in the best possible spot. I mean, he made a blocker save at one point on a two-on-one where most of the time the Leafs are going to score because they have so much talent up front that whoever's shooting is going to be somebody who can reasonably beat you, especially in a two-on-one when the puck's moving laterally and it's coming at that velocity towards the net. 
But Carey Price managed to get across, get his blocker on it, and deflect it up and out of play. And I mean, just a magnificent game from him. I'm honestly shocked that he looked that good, considering that he had that much time off. And his only game action in the last couple of weeks has been a game in Laval. So, honestly, great news for the Montreal Canadiens. If they can expect that type of performance from Carey Price, uh, we're in great shape. We got a chance to pull off the upset. Now, as good as Price was, um, I honestly hesitate to even give him my player of the game because I think I have to give that one to Josh Anderson. He was absolutely flying out there. I mean, the the goal he got to open the game is, is precisely what he's been doing for the last several months. He just hasn't been able to actually find the net when he gets those opportunities. It's not that he's been completely unable to get scoring chances it's just that he's had like the worst shooting luck on the planet just completely unable to get the puck into the net and uh last night you know he figured it out you know he managed to get in got loose showed some of that speed and then let loose a shot i mean more of that from him he had more scoring opportunities later in the game uh, that he couldn't cash in on. One of them was uh, an empty net where he got one opportunity, came around behind the net, got a second opportunity. And if not for uh, a goal save by Morgan Riley, he would have had two goals in the night. And he could have put that game uh, almost out of reach for the Leafs right there and then. So if he can continue to play like that, that's another massive piece for the Canadians. I mean, obviously... Carey Price is the most important player, but for me, for my money, you know, Josh Anderson was the player of the game for them last night. He was fantastic. Um, can't say enough good things about his game last night, and hopefully that continues to be the case because they could really use uh, an extra punch up front given uh, how much punch the Leafs have uh, with all of their big players. Because it's not every day that you're going to get a ridiculous from his knees shorthanded goal from Paul Byron to give you the lead that you need. Right, So if Josh Anderson can be that guy to give them a little bit of extra offensive punch up front uh, to compete with the top six that the Leafs have, uh, all the better for them. Because honestly, that, that Byron goal, the amount of luck that the Canadians have that he was able to will that puck into the net is insane. They, they were going to call a penalty on the Leafs for, for tripping. And then it would have been, what, a a little bit of four on four and then they would have been back to a power play which we already knew was virtually useless for the rest of the game so very little chance that they were going to do much with it uh so you know kudos to him for being able to will that puck into the net because otherwise they would have been in trouble um, at five on five i think they probably deserved that game but when you take into account the special teams uh you know they they did get a little bit lucky on the night so uh, Got to thank the hockey gods, try to figure out what went wrong, and uh, move on to the next game. Uh, the last thing that I think I I didn't want to touch on, but I, I feel like it needs to be mentioned, is you know the the John Tavares injury. Um, that was one of the worst things I've I've ever seen watching a an NHL hockey game. I mean, the the only time I can think of that I saw something worse than that was when Trent McCleary got hit in the throat with a puck. I, and I honestly think that's the last time that I watched Dr. Mulder jump on the ice for the Canadians. Uh, you, you never want to see something like that. Uh, best wishes to John Tavares and to his family. I hope that he recovers fast. I hope that he recovers soon. Um, I don't think there was any intent from Corey Perry to hit him there. 
I don't think he had time to adjust. And I think looking at the replay, he, he tried to, but there just wasn't any room for him to get out of the way. And he tried to go up and over him, but I mean, it, it all happened fast. Sherratt hit Tavares, he went down. And, you know, it's one of those freak accidents that you hope you never see in a hockey game, but uh, it happens. And again, best wishes to him. I honestly hope that he gets back as soon as humanly possible to playing hockey. And I hope he's got no lingering effects from it. Um, hate to end it on a on a sad note like that, but you know I want to send him all the positive vibes possible. And that about does it for the podcast. Uh, we're running around uh, twelve minutes uh, for this podcast for the first episode. So grosse soirée pour les employés de soutien. We are on all platforms. So we're on Spotify, we're on Apple, uh, we're on Google Play, and we're on Megaphone. I am on Twitter at DrakeMT, and my DMs are open. So if you've got any suggestions on how I could maybe improve this project here, uh, feel free to slide into those DMs. Let me know what I could do differently, what you'd like to see, what you don't like to see. And, uh, yeah, that's about it. So thanks for tuning in, and uh, à la prochaine. listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks that's what our podcast people are the worst brings you with each episode i'm rachel and i'm rebecca we're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say didn't see that coming and we hate the people responsible for them listen to people are the worst now on apple spotify or wherever you get your podcasts